are gonna be the best mom. I'm an amazing mother. You are the best mom in the whole world. Lady, you are the best mom ever. Welcome to The Mom Show, My Talk 1071's new show featuring guests and topics that all good moms will want to hear. The phone lines are open for your questions. Am I doing this right? 651-641-1071 or email the show at mytalk1071.com, keyword mom. Thank you for joining us here on The Mom Show on My Talk 1071 and streaming on mytalk1071.com. I am Ms. Shannon. So happy to be with you. Happy to impart some information for all of our My Talkers out there. And we do that through a rotating panel of experts that comes in and gives us some information and, and does a good job. I think all of our experts have really done an outstanding job of providing us quality information based upon the current events. And so... It would be, I, I really think, and, 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 you know, my expert today, my friend Jeff Sheridan from Sheridan and Dulas is with us today. And I appreciate you being here, Jeff, our, you know, our, our favorite criminal defense attorney. <laughs> and I well, say that because you. I only know four personally. <laughs> you know, I, only, I know four of you personally. Hey, of the I'm, four, I'm, <laughs> you're I'll, I'll my favorite. It. I'll take it. You know, and we are going to have a conversation today that really covers some of the current events that we have going on. And, and or I want to let everybody know we, of course, here at My Talk are a station where we entertain you. Um, but we also know that you are very, very good and smart people. So we like to make some of our segments what I like to call edutainment. So not only would you be interested in what we have to say, but we also are imparting some information that we hope that you can use in your day-to-day lives, take it home with you, ruminate on it, share it with your friends, and start some discussions. Does that kind of make sense, Jeff? That's, uh, yeah, absolutely. Because I think it would be very difficult for us to not talk about some of the current events that we have going on right now, and especially when we have a criminal defense attorney that can actually explain some of the things, the cause and effects of what are going on right now and some of the language that we're seeing in the news about what's going on regarding uh, everything that's happened since the death of George Floyd. So is that okay, Jeff? Am I kind of bringing that up to speed quickly? No no event more current than that. Right. possible with uh, with the exception of Atlanta Atlanta but, yes. and and so we um, you know when we go through this conversation today and people are always welcome to call in if we end up using any terminology anything that you have to you would like to weigh in on the number for the mom show is 651-641-1071 that's 651-641-1071 and and Jeff I wanted to start with again you do a variety of work um, over at Sheridan and Dulas and so we remind that and you have definitely been in this particular realm for a considerable amount of time it's not like you got your law degree last week and now you're just out there telling people what they should do that's that's true i've been a criminal defense lawyer for 33 years and uh actually uh, was in criminal defense for a couple years before i even got my law license right and so keeping track of the way that you know our legal system has changed and not changed over the 30 years um, I think that's part of the narrative that we have to talk about today is that there's some things that started a really long time ago that might have been outdated, but there's also some things that started and have now evolved to being a systematic roadblock. Does that sound yep. about right? And we fight for, you know, that's what we're doing on our courtrooms across the country are fighting for changes that we think best serve justice. Um, but uh, I will tell you, you're you're fighting a system of, of precedence, right? right. Where where judges just want to do what judges before them did and because that's the safe thing to do. Uh, and if, God forbid if you should do anything different than what the precedent is, then you'll be labeled one of those activist judges. Right. Who, and uh, so it is, a, it is an uphill battle uh, trying to bring about change through 
that particular branch of government is a very slow process. Uh, and so you see the, the frustration over that exploding through in the streets around the world, right? right. I mean, this isn't just a national uh, uh, protest. This, these protests are going on around the world, basically frustration over the slow pace of change. Correct. And I think, you know, so we can start with, and we're going to cover a couple of, of, a number of topics regarding the current legal system, and we'll mostly focus on what's going on here in Minnesota. Um, I think that that it's such a broad conversation to get to all of this in an hour. We're just not going to get to it. Wow. You know, it's it's 400 years and 401 years of things I'd like to talk about that we're not going to talk about all today. So distilling just distill down and we'll start with um, the scenario that we're in most recently here in Minnesota. And I think let's unspool some of that. Um, and let's talk about in general, you know, if we go through the course of events that we have, we we see and this time get to witness uh, the killing of George Floyd um, and then we get to see the process um, that when we use the words slow to change, but the, the this one did seem a little different, although we still had all of these repercussions. The way that we went through the system of we saw this, the footage came out, there was a firing of the police officers and we've actually had charges within a couple of weeks. That's not something we normally have seen, right? And, and again, that's not because the justice system sped up. Mm-hmm. It's because technology has stepped in to save hopefully save the lives of, of African-American people, African people, people right. of African descent around the world. Um, but again, it wasn't the justice system that, that got better. Right. The justice system is now having to respond to the reality that it is technology right. that is stepping in, that's, that's speeding up. Right. And we do have the uh, where we're at while we're doing the show. We do have charges that have been uh, brought against officer, former officer Chauvin. Um, and we are at what with those particular charges. So let's tell people what we actually got again for that, because that'll make the rest of the conversation make a little more sense. Sure. And, and the you know, so the the initially the charges that were originally filed were charges of third degree murder and. There's a lot of outrage about that. You know, mm-hmm. well, third degree, that's not enough. Uh, you know, this is a really bad thing. And we right. saw it happen. Um, that should be first degree murder, not third degree murder. And and so, you know, we had the attorney general step in and say, you know, well, this isn't, you know, it doesn't meet the definition. And that's what people need to understand right. is that each one of these crimes, first degree murder, second degree murder, third degree murder, they all have a specific definition with specific elements that the state would ultimately have to prove to a jury beyond a reasonable doubt. And if the if the scenario doesn't seem to fit those elements, thinking it's really bad or wishing that it could be worse for these officers isn't going to help because right. basically, you know, you okay, fine, I'll 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 react emotionally yes. and charge you with the with, you know, well and and they can't charge first degree murder. You'd need to impanel a, a, a grand jury. Uh, county attorneys, prosecutors are not allowed to to charge first degree murder. So let me pause you there real quickly, please, Jeff. I mean, and I think that what we need to do is just remind people that, as you said, there is a definition and there are certain guidelines for each of these things. It's not just a matter of the number order makes things more intense or reprehensible. It's that it's not, oh, I think this is the worst thing that could ever happen. So I get to say first, there are actually little bullet points under each law. I mean, under each charge 
that have to be met. Sure, absolutely. And anybody who wants to go look, I mean, basically the homicide section of the Minnesota Criminal Code starts at 609.18. And and there are a number of, you know, it starts with first degree murder, second degree murder. What does premeditation mean? Right. Um, Third degree murder, manslaughter. What are all of those things? And what basically would the state have to prove in order to accomplish each one of a, a conviction for any one of those charges. And I think if people actually take a look at what was required for each one of those degrees of murder, they'd figure out pretty quickly uh, why it was originally charged as a third-degree murder. And they'll also see that the, you know, that the second-degree murder charge uh, that, that all of the officers are now facing um, is basically an unintentional killing. Right. Um, what we what we refer to as second degree unintentional felony murder. Okay. So basically, the the theory of the current charge is is that the officers, uh, or at least one officer, was engaged in a felony. Mm-hmm. That is the uh, the assault of right. of Mr. Floyd. Uh, that was the felony that he was engaged in, and it during the course of that felony assault of Mr. George, he died even though that may well not have been the intention of the officer was to kill him, but because he was engaged in the intentional felony of assaulting him and he happened to die, maybe from a pre-existing medical condition or whatever, doesn't really matter. He died during the commission of that felony. So that's the why the charge got moved from the third degree up to the second degree, is that they believed that they could prove that element, that the officer was intentionally assaulting Mr. Floyd, and he happened to die. That's felony murder in the second degree, and it's an intentional act. Right. Therefore, the other officers could be charged for aiding that intentional act. So... There really is a reason that it progressed in the way that it did. Right. And if anybody goes out and reads the definition of what a first degree murder is, basically that he woke up that morning thinking, I'm going to go kill George Floyd and went out and did it. I I mean, I don't think the facts are there to support it, and it's unlikely that he would be indicted for a first-degree murder charge. Which, again, we're not providing this information to try and make people go, okay, we think that you should feel any less of all the feels that you have. We're just explaining how we got here and what all this is, and I think that that's a lot of what we're going to do this morning, is is go through piece by piece and make sure that we can kind of talk about how we got here. Um, If you are looking for ways to affect change, we will give you some positive ways that we can do this, but, you know, before we can do a lot of those things, we really have to steal ourselves with the right information right jeff that's the goal is to give you the you know talk about the 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 legal basis for this and then we can talk about all the fields right so throughout this morning again we're going to continue this conversation about the legal and ethical questions in the wake of the killing of joyce floyd if you have any questions we encourage you to call in get those questions answered you can be part of the show at 651-641-1071 we'll be right back on the mom show Welcome back to The Mom Show on MyTalk 1071 and streaming on MyTalk1071.com. I'm Miss Shannon, in with Jeff Sheridan from Sheridan and Dulas and taking your calls at 651-641-1071. That's 651-641-1071. Jeff, we were just talking in between the breaks about um, basically how you can stay informed but also maintain your personal space uh, and have yourself a little chance to recharge. Um, I know that producer Sonny and I are both living in this world as well where you have to have a little bit of time to make sure you stay informed but also a little bit of time to make sure that you don't throw your phone against the wall, right? Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes exactly. Ma'am. Have you seen the um, Dave Chappelle little the stand yes. up he just did? <laughs> yes. Yeah, the throw the phone was perfect. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And-
and it's 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 reminding people that we are having these conversations. We appreciate you listening. Uh, we are doing our best to provide um, reasonable, grounded information for everybody who is out there because we know that right now a lot of people are. We'll say getting introduced to the particular um, series of events that got us where we are today. Um, so providing some information that gives you some historical context, some legal context, thanks to experts like you, Jeff. I think that that's good for people going, well, here's where we're at. And we appreciate um, the fact that you are maybe feeling outraged, but maybe feeling confused. So whatever we can do to kind of assuage both of those things, we'll do that. Yep, and that's the you know the I, I'm I'm just here. I mean, obviously, I'm uh, uh, you know I, I I was born in the United States. I was born male, and I'm born white. So mm-hmm. basically, I was born on third base. <laughs> I'm not sure what you know. I, I, I whether I, I me trying to I- explain to people of color what's going on. I, I'm not. That's not my role. I, I I'm not the right guy for that. To but be I will say I will. I appreciate you acknowledging and using that scenario, and oh. I think that's good for other people um, oh. to hear what we when we say that that we're going. There are some things that were, you know, when they talk about that, you know, where are we at? And when we talk about inequities, and then we talk about equality, and we finally get to the word justice. Explaining things from that particular perspective, I think, is very valid. Oh, yeah. And the, anybody's unwillingness, any white male American unwilling to acknowledge that is just, I don't know who they think they're fooling, but it's probably just themselves. Right. So, right. Yeah. Right. So what we've been going through today is we talked about just uh, before we went to break, we were talking about um, the recent charges that came down after the killing of George Floyd and where we went with that. And so I think maybe let's even rewind a little bit and go, why were we able to get to this? I know that historically a lot of cases that we see regarding you know our police forces um, do not get to charges as quickly and didn't have a scenario where we would have any sort of impact on their job like something that we really had heard a lot in the media before was administrative leave and then there was a discussion on whether that was oh, paid sure. or unpaid and those kind of things and and again you talked about how the system hasn't necessarily changed but we have been able to find ways to work the system We'll say a little more effectively recently. And how did that happen? Well, I mean, you know, the 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 police have for decades Mm -hmm. since the beginning of policing uh, have been the the person of authority. So when a when a police officer sits down and writes his report and says in his report that Mr. Floyd suffered a medical event right. uh, during the course of his arrest, without, of course, clarifying that the medical event was him being killed by Correct. the officer. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that had been it, if there had been no video of any of that, then that would have been the official report. And, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, how all of this would have unraveled if Mr. Floyd had survived it. Right. Right. Where would we be today uh, or any place different today if Mr. Floyd had actually survived this? Because the police have all the power. Right. They have the ability to file the official report. They take that to other officials of the government and those officials uh, then decide to prosecute Mr. Floyd if he had survived. Um, those officials are the ones who control the narrative. Right. And because the police for so long have resisted cameras for mm-hmm. what we're now seeing are obvious reasons, um, they've resisted anyone, being accountable to anyone. I right. Mean, you know, just even the new flag that they're displaying on their uniforms has become just such a, a lightning rod for for folks. Um, 
So it's because they have the power, because they write the report that gets filed in the official record of, of what transpired, and all they have to do is say something like, and then he suffered a medical event right. without disclosing that it was at the hands of the officers. And everything is lumped into that because that Correct. was what was the official report. And mm-hmm. so because that's so, uh, you know, uh, vague, uh, then the officer might get put on administrative leave because somebody died during the course of an arrest right. while there's an investigation. And then, of course, the investigation would have been asking the four police officers right. what happened and then them saying, oh, well, OK, it sounds like it was unavoidable. Uh, and you're now you're reinstated with pay and here's all your back pay and all that kind of stuff. So this is this is different now. And again, not because the justice system got better, not because the police have gotten better, but because technology has now shed a light on this that we can no longer turn our eyes. From. Right. And I think that it's fair to also I will acknowledge up front that I am not against every single police officer that's oh, out there. No. I'm not saying that I'm saying that the system has made it so that it is not very transparent very often about what really was going on. And the system is very opaque and right. and, and deliberately remains that way. You know, mm-hmm. one of the things we're going to talk about is this idea of qualified immunity and how officers avoid accountability uh, or have avoided accountability for as long as they have, and that's one of those one of those you know uh, existing problems is this idea that officers are immune right. from being held personally responsible. So, Jeff, we only have a couple minutes before we go to our next break, but I mm-hmm. think that we do have enough time to start with that definition of qualified immunity, just to get the definition sure. out. And I'll try to get it out as quick as I can. Basically, mm-hmm. immunity is the concept that because the the government is the one who created the right to sue people, right. in doing so, they said, that's fine, y'all are welcome to sue each other. Mm-hmm. You just can't sue us because right. we're the one granting the power. We're immune Right. So then the question is, how far does that immunity reach? And then the government also be able to sit there and go, here are the things that we that you can sue us about. Correct. So they said I can you can sue us for these things and for no more than this amount. That's that's government saying, "Okay, we'll let you. Yes. Sue us, but only for these things. And so. One of the things you can sue the government for is for violation of, of a person's civil rights. That, right. That, that lawsuit exists in the world. Uh, and then there's the, the flip side of that is, but certain government actors have to be immune from that mm-hmm. uh, because, uh, you know, for instance, every time a judge sends somebody to prison, uh, you know, suddenly the, the, the person in prison has a lot of spare time. Right. Uh, and everyone they send to prison ends up suing them for violating their civil right to be free. And the judge doesn't even get to judge anymore because he's spending all of his time defending against the civil lawsuits from Fair everybody enough. who's in prison. And so the, there's a, a, a policy decision made that, look, we're not going to let anybody sue judges. Okay. Right. So the question is, how far down does that immunity come? And can people qualify for that immunity of, hey, look, you're stymieing me from doing, from fulfilling my obligations as an officer. Um, And so there is this concept of qualified immunity that basically says that unless the person is utterly incompetent or is deliberately violating a known, uh, you know, limitation on their behavior, uh, then you can't sue them. And, and and that means you can't sue them, not just that you can't get money. You just don't get to sue them at all. So when we get back, Jeff, I think we can cover how that affects our particular case we have right now after the killing of George Floyd. And then we'll talk again about how you were saying what would have happened maybe if he had not died. 
We'll talk to you as well. You can be part of the Mom Show. The number is 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Mom Show on My Talk 1071 and streaming on MyTalk1071.com. I'm Miss Shannon here with Jeff Sheridan from Sheridan and Dulas, reminding everybody that Jeff, you um, basically lead the the criminal uh, defense arm of Sheridan and Dulas, but you have a, uh, a broad swatch of uh, attorneys that work for you. So you do handle, you know, we have Deanne Dulas, your partner on very often that talks about things from the family side. And we have people that come on and Andrew and, and other people that talk to us about, you know, family planning, talking about, you know, different kind of laws that affect you holistically. And I think that right now, even though we're talking about something that specifically is on the criminal side, it is something that overall can affect and, and just domino effect into all those other areas and what's going on with your family. Sure. And those are, you know, that's that's the nature of, you know, what we were talking about before, this idea of whether or not police officers can be sued, right? That's a civil action. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's different than, than the criminal, you know, they've got their criminal problem. They're being prosecuted right now. Right. But they're also likely to be sued by the family of, of George Floyd. And, and so we're, there are all sorts of legal um, you know, this touches on all areas of the law. Right. And so we'd gotten to the part where we were talking about immunity and what would be qualified immunity. Sure. So when you are uh, dealing with the scenario like this, how do we make the deci- decision on what is reasonable qualified immunity for the police officers and the safeguards that we put in so they can effectively do their job? And then what might be overreach? Is that a fair question? It is. And, okay. and that's, so that's, you know, that's what gets struggled with. And, 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 you know, everybody should know that qualified immunity is actually a judicially created concept. The, the, um, uh, so the, the legislature hasn't weighed in on this and that's, okay. that's what the big push is about right now is mm-hmm. to, because the legislature could pass a law that says, yeah, police officers aren't entitled to qualified immunity or are they only in char- entitled to qualified immunity under in these, these circumstances. Okay. And right now the circumstances have become so narrow that essentially every police officer has qualified immunity and, and therefore they can't be sued. So as you're, you know, you're moving down, who can you sue for this? You know, can you sue the city? Yes. Can you sue the police department? Yes. But does that teach the officer anything if the police department has to pay out a judgment or the city has to to pay out a judgment? Is that a deterrent to police misconduct? Right. And so the, you know, the thinking is the way you actually get the police to change their behavior is to put them in the crosshairs and say, hey, if you do this, you are going to lose your house. You're going to lose your money. You're going to lose your pension. Those, mm-hmm. those are the things that are going to disappear. And so that's the only way to bring about real change is to make sure that the officers understand that there's, there, there is a personal loss that they could suffer if they decide to pull that trigger or if they decide to put a little more pressure on their knee. And right. Jeff, it also seems to me that not only since it, since it only goes down so far, it sets up a system where it's easier to deal with me as a member of the public and then to deal with the officer themselves, you know, so it's easier to sit there and go, well, we'll just worry about whether Miss Shannon decides to sue us than to actually have any repercussion on the officer because the system is already there to protect them. Yeah. And that's, you know, part of the, you know, the collective bargaining agreements that they have, all those kinds of things that basically indemnify the officers and, and prevent them uh, from actually facing any real consequence themselves. And because they don't face any real consequence themselves, you see the behaviors continue to escalate. And, you know, qualified immunity to the point, you know, has is, is gotten to the point where it has to be beyond debate that what you did mm-hmm. uh, was illegal. And, and you know, the cases, I mean, you know, for instance, in, in Mr. Floyd's case, it might come down to, 
you know, well, yeah, there's a case that said you can't put your foot on somebody's neck, that that is uh, clearly a violation of a constitutional right. And then, you know, uh, Mr. Fo- or the, the, the officer's uh, lawyer would come in and say, yeah, but in this case, it wasn't a foot. He put his knee on the neck. And therefore, right. that case didn't really say that you couldn't put a knee on the neck, only that you couldn't put your boot on the neck. Right. And that may be enough in and of itself. Just that little distinction between the boot and the knee would be enough to to cloak that officer in qualified immunity and get them out of the lawsuit altogether. Right. right? Is that why we're seeing these news stories now that are talking about other scenarios where they were trying to set that precedent about other scenarios where that particular hold was uh, deemed uh, inappropriate or dangerous or already, you know, uh, outlawed and and, and outlawed isn't the right right word, but similar, you know, in other areas. Yeah. And the language, like I said, the language has become, you know, that the the violation is beyond debate that every public official would know that this is illegal because of United States Supreme Court's uh, precedent that says this is beyond debate. So the way you keep the United States Supreme Court from ever weighing in on anything is, of course, to settle the case. Do okay. it do it with a, with a non-disclosure agreement so that mm. nobody ever knows right. what it was. And that's how you prevent those cases from ever becoming those kinds of binding precedent that would put the subject beyond debate. So, so this may have happened before, but because we had a system that was able to handle it out of the public eye and then correct. seal those things... It turns into something that can be that can happen again and again and again. Right. And that's why the big push now against qualified to to have qualified immunity abolished by the legislature, because, again, it's the government who decides what they can be sued for and how much they can be sued for. So by by doing or by having the legislature broaden that and say, yeah, cops get to be sued for X, Y or Z. Uh, now you've you've taken care of the problem and not waited for the slow moving evolution of our judicial system, which, by the way, with the current appointees, is not rolling back in favor of the BIPOC community right. by any stretch of the imagination. Right. And yeah. I like to remind people what that particular initialism is, because oh, I'm glad that you use BIPOC. But when we're talking about black, indigenous people of color, when you see BIPOC out there, that's what we're saying. Right. So I do like to remind people, because, again, we want to meet people where they are. Um, so if they're like, hey, I heard a new word. It's BIPOC. Let me tell you okay. <laughs> what it is for everybody out there. Um, but again, we again, that talks about, you know, I, I'm glad that you brought up that some of these things may have occurred before. And as someone who works in the system, knowing that the system has managed or, or is set up in a way that maybe if you're going, why am I just hearing about this? That's the way that things have been done for quite some time. Right, right. Jeff? And if you're the uh, the lawyer who defends cities and police officers, and you can see the writing on the wall that this is going to be one of those cases that we're going to lose, we're going to lose bad, and it's going to create this precedent, then let's just say, look, we'll offer you X number of dollars. Um, And I think for the 10 biggest departments in the country, um, they settled out cases for over a billion dollars over the last few years. Right. Right. we're not talking small dollars. No. But if we say, hey, fine, we'll settle with you. We'll give you $10 million, but you have to agree never to talk about this. You just take your $10 million and go away. So a non-disclosure agreement. And, you know, the lawyers are, you know, as a general rule, smart people. Yeah. They can see what that precedent might mean going forward. And they're more interested in protecting policing 
right. in general than they are about uh, uh, this particular lawsuit. And so right. they need, they're always aware uh, of the precedent that they would be creating. Well, let's get into the conversation of protecting policing in general. I know a lot of what we're seeing right now is these uh, statements about defunding the police. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, again, we're going to come back to Mr. Floyd and what the, the alternative scenario might have been. But let's go into that because, again, I think that's another thing that requires definition when we're talking yeah. about protecting policing, but then we're talking about defunding policing. Right. So can you explain that to everyone out there? And, and they're, you know, the folks on the right are all saying, oh, they're, you know, advocating for doing away with all the cops. We're not right. going to have cops anymore. And I think one of the things to remember, uh, and, this, and both sides of, of the of the aisle are guilty of this, that this, this push for more police, right? I mean, it was actually Clinton during the Clinton administration uh, that there was this big push for 100,000 more cops on the street. And then there was a big push for 150,000 more cops on the street. And all of that went through, Mm -hmm. right? The problem is you got to pay all those 150,000 cops. You got a bunch of people who aren't particularly interested in just adding to their tax bills to fund 150,000 more cops. Right. And in the process of doing that, what happened is something had to give, right? Mm-hmm. It's essentially a zero-sum game. And so the thing that had to give was social services. Right. And social services is brought is, you know, this is just tax cuts. Now, this isn't doing anything to, um, you know, to actually harm the community. We're just you're saving taxpayers money. Mm-hmm. And so they're starving and starving and starving every social service that there is. Right. To the point that now the police are complaining, hey, we're doing all this. You know, we're not social workers. We're not drug counselors. We're not this. We're not that. Why? You know, you you look to us to do all of these things and be everything right Mm -hmm. and the community is now saying okay fine i think we can agree on this point you are not a social worker you are not a drug counselor you are not a mental health professional you should not be doing those things right and so let's take the money that we're using to pay you and refund so probably that would be the better way to for those who are advocating for this is to talk about refunding other social programs right. that are designed to deal with all of these other issues that, frankly, the police are complaining about having to do. Right. And so then we can use refund and then we can also use reform, which, uh, you know, right. I, our, our Minneapolis mayor was talking about how we were looking at reforms and overhauls, because I do believe that people were... You know, it does seem like a very emotionally charged word on both sides when mm-hmm. you say defund, um, yep. especially if you don't have, you know, right now we're we are you know, we are emotionally raw on both sides. And I think that we are not making, you know, we talk about this just on and general things that are going on. You don't make your best life choices sometimes when you're upset. Right. And so we talk about that as you as a criminal attorney go, hey, this was probably just their worst day. And then it turned into all these other things. Right. And that is what our society is ex- experiencing right now is a lot of worst days. And so, yep. you know, I agree that Don't it is a matter. Don't define somebody's life from the worst day in it. That's that's my goal right. as a criminal defense lawyer is don't let the worst day in somebody's life define the rest of their life. Right. And so when we are looking at we are trying to make sure that we have less worst days for yep. a number of people and so you know and and you know statistically we have seen that the people who are being impacted by the 
change in this system of having more police but not trained appropriately are people with, you know, by, uh, by, uh, black indigenous people of color and people with mental health and mental illness challenges, you yep. know, are literally being preyed upon now because we have a series of people who are not trained to deal with these scenarios being forced in these scenarios. And don't want to do it. Right. I mean, this is, the, you know, like I said, this might, might be one of those areas where we actually arrive at, at a common understanding. I mean, you know, we called the, uh, you know, 911 because my father was having a, a heart attack in right. my house. So the 88 year old guy, uh, you know, in this, uh, in Burnsville, uh, right. got, you know, and the first person to arrive on the scene was an armed police officer. That was the first person who stepped up and walked into my house was an armed police officer. If you're responding to a heart attack of an 88 year old man with an armed police officer, to me, that is a huge red flag that says you got too many cops in this town. Right. If you got the time to do this, then you got too many cops in right. this town. Well, we're going to cover that as well. And then we also want to cover that alternate reality of what could have happened if George Floyd was not killed. And we're going to also have time for your calls. You can call us at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back on The Mom Show. Welcome back to the Mom Show on My Talk 1071 and streaming on MyTalk1071.com. I am Ms. Shannon here with Jeff Sheridan from Sheridan and Dulas, reminding everybody if you have legal questions, if you have family uh, law questions, if you have uh, criminal defense questions, if you wonder what you should do if you need to get somebody to write a will or some sort of family planning, you guys have somebody over there at Sheridan and Dulas that can help. We do indeed. Mm -hmm. Feel free to give us a shout. Uh, all of our consultations are free. We've got uh, virtual consultations. The virtual conference room set up to deal with the COVID-19 issues. So we're happy to take your calls. And I will remind you again at the end of the show, but their number is 651-686-8800 or their website is ssdpa.com. Um, and normally I give a disclaimer that says you guys are wonderful attorneys, but people should seek their own legal counsel. But right now, this show, we've just been giving out information, uh, general information, again, as we always do here. Um, but, you know, I think that sometimes it's good to sit there and go, how does the system work if i get into it what could be the pitfalls and um when we're talking about the scenario that um uh, george floyd was in things could have gone very differently and i think it's also fair to remind people what the scenario looks like and i think that these are for um an explanation of what should be what should be reasonable responses to a a, a alleged criminal act and then what responses actually end up occurring and where we get it gets us where we are. So let's say that, you know, we rewind, uh, we go in our way back machine, Jeff, and <laughs> right. uh, and George Floyd walks into Cup Foods and again, ends up using a counterfeit $20 bill and the officers are are called. And it, you can, yeah. And I think the, the the thing that got me thinking about this was an mm -hmm. op-ed piece in the in the Star Tribune about you know what would have happened if George Floyd hadn't died that day. What right. if you know what if he didn't have an underlying health condition? What if he, um, you know, uh, what if he didn't get his neck knelt on right. for nine minutes? Um, and he was simply arrested, but but the arrest went, you know, let's say it was seven minutes or six minutes or whatever it would have been to not kill him. Right. And then he was put in the back of the squad car and hauled off. But the the video of the arrest still existed. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. What what as we as we hold up a mirror to ourselves and ask ourselves about 
how we got here. Mm-hmm. Ask yourself, what would have happened to the state of Minnesota versus George Floyd? What that case would have looked like? Would that 17-year-old have have you know known that that she could call the Minneapolis Police Department and say you know this this, this guy was treated very badly and I'd like to file an internal affairs complaint against Officer Chauvin right. okay um, or you know did he actually get charged with a crime because you know I got to tell you the the way this all went down was wrong mm-hmm. um, so I want to contact the Hennepin County Attorney's Office I want to put a copy of that video in their hands. Or can somebody tell me who Mr. Floyd's attorney is so that I can get a copy of my video to him? Would anybody have, have you know, and, and I'm not just talking about 17-year-old. Right. Obviously, there are, a lot, there are a number of people. There are a lot there. of videos mm-hmm. going on. Right. Would, would any of the one with security footage, would they have known right. to done that? Or, or would they have? Would right. they have taken the time? Mm-hmm. Right. Would they have taken the time to say, you know what, call me as a witness in the state of Minnesota versus George Floyd, and I'll come down and tell a story about, you know, I got to tell you, and the relative bad things in the world, a counterfeit $20 bill versus the way four officers treated a human being right. on the streets of Minneapolis in broad daylight in front of a bunch of other human beings right. and thought that this was perfectly fine. I mean, we're supposed to be interested in public safety, right? right? What, what, uh, between those two things, the 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 potentially you know whether George Floyd even knew it was a counterfeit twenty dollar bill we'll never know because right. we can't ask him any questions mm-hmm. right so the potential uh, twenty you know twenty dollar bill versus everything that transpired in that street afterward right in the in, if we're looking truly looking and care about public safety which one of those two things actually jeopardized public safety right and. And so it's been niggling at me yes. ever since that 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 op-ed came out to ask that question that we all hold up a mirror to ourselves and say, would we have taken the time? Right. Would, you know, we wouldn't have. We wouldn't. Would we be marching in the street over the arrest just over the the six minutes right. of sitting on his neck as opposed to nine minutes or whatever it took to kill him? Would we be protesting in the street? Would we be protesting around the world? It wouldn't change the 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 reality of the BIPOC community's existence, right? right? The constant stress, the constant fear, the 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 fatigue that must be the definition of being African American in this country. That didn't change, right? Right, and so it's just really hard for me to think about. George Floyd and what our world would look like different today if George Floyd hadn't died. And my God, I, that that hopefully George Floyd's sacrifice to get this conversation to where it is today won't be in vain that a week from now we'll all just go back to our lives. Right. right. And I, you know, I, you know, and I can only speak for myself. I don't speak for the entire BIPOC community, but I do speak for myself and, and my, my my immediate friend group, you know, and reminding people what you said, it is a different reality and how even, you know, when you talk about just reading headline after headline, like it is a a PTSD scenario for me on a daily basis, right. you know, seeing all of these things happen and going, OK, I have another one of these or I can't believe I'm saying this again or, you know, or, or you know, my mom sitting there wondering about whether she should how she can protect herself, you know, and how I can protect, you know, my son. 
you know, as someone who's, you know, not only, you know, a child of color, you know, and but also, you know, uh, someone who's on the autism spectrum, who, uh, you know, another group of people that has not been treated well, you know, by these things and knowing that there's those additional stressors and, you know, finding reasonable ways to remind people that there are differences that we need to address so that we can then move forward and go, we do have more commonalities as human beings, but there are detailed differences that we have to bring up. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Well, and it's, you know, they, they did the, the genome project where they, you know, had figured out uh, the, the genome of the human uh, and, and, you know, that, that appearance, right, became 0.01% of the genes that make up, I mean, and, and not just the color of our skin, but our appearance is 0 0.01, which means we are 99.9% all the same. Right. Right. And yet that race has taken on this social uh, uh, idea. It's just, it's just absurd. Um, and it's just, you know, and again, I'm, <laughs> like I said, born on third base. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm, I, I have never experienced the stress of what that must mean um, to have to fear that every day to 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 raise a, a, a black ma a man right uh, in in Minneapolis is is got to be a, I mean you get all the props in the world from me I know you're very uh, proactive about getting out into the community and getting out to the police department in your town and all of those kinds of things to try to do everything you can to protect your child. But uh, we we need to fix this. Right. And I agree with you. I hope that we can continue to make sure that we see the differences so that we can focus on the commonalities. So thank you, Jeff. We can find you always at Sheridan Adulas. That website is SSDPA.com. The phone number is 651-686-8800. We appreciate you, Jeff. Oh, thanks for having me.